This morning, that was our hug time because you guys were all yelling, you know, handing out those pans. So our greet time. Praise God, it works. This morning, our text is in Psalm 121. I'm going to be reading from the New American Standard. I really don't mind which translation you read from, as long as you follow along and, and, and listen and, and just gain something for the journey from the sermon and the scripture this morning. Psalm 121, and the title is, The Lord is Your Keeper. God is your keeper. Amen? That's, that's, we've got to keep that in mind today. And hopefully if there's nothing you remember between the songs that we have already sung to the message today that, and the scripture today that God is your keeper. Amen? Amen? Let's read Psalm 121. I will lift up my eyes to the mountains. From whence shall my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to slip. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. Right there in the middle. There it is. The Lord is your keeper. And then it says, the Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun will not smite you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will protect you from all evil. He will keep your soul. The Lord will guard your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. What an awesome, awesome way to end that psalm and a great thing for us to remember. So praise God as you read the word there. You know, we all need help at times in life. Right? You know, and, and it could be little, little things. It could be big things, but we, we come across, we need help. Some of us, unfortunately, and I really mean that, feel that we're very self-sufficient and uh, we can take care of everything by ourselves and that's a really hard way to live. But we all need help sometimes. And let me ask you, where do you go when you need help? Where do you go? Who do you turn to? What do you turn to? Do you call on your family? It's a good source, you know, as long as you get along. No, uh, it's, it's a good source, right? What about, what about your spouse? That's a great place to go. And, and, and hopefully, and, and as you're growing in that relationship and you're being everything God wants you to be, it's a great source to find help and encouragement and support. And wisdom, when you come together, it's a great place. What about some of your friends, trusted friends? Those are all great places. Do you dial 911? I mean, if you need to, in some cases, you better call 911. I mean, you know, especially if you're playing with pencils in Sunday school and um, then something happens. Some of you know what that is. If you don't know, you can ask those who know. It's okay. You get it. They, they thought it was funny in the first service when his parents were here. But um, it's good to have a support system in place. And when you need help, you reach out and you yell for it. But we need to look further than just that. Because if you think about it, your, even your own history and your experience teach us that it doesn't matter what safety plan you have, what kind of insurance policy you have, whatever security system you have, nothing can keep you absolutely safe in this life. Amen. It's just the truth. It won't happen. You can follow all the rules, you can have, take all the precautions, you can know the manuals, you can exercise, you can eat well, you can do things, everything right and by the book, and still, things, I'm not going to say can, they will go wrong. I don't want that for you, I don't want that for me, but they will go wrong. And that's why we need to look further and beyond, we need to look to God for our help. 
Scriptures teach us that God helps those who seek his help. I love that line. It just it makes me want to... Well, anyway, God helps those who help themselves. Where do we get that? How can we possibly go there? That is the scripture that gives no, never, never, ever tells us to even think remotely, even, even a touch of that. Because God always in scripture tells us that he always helps those who ask him to help. That's who gets helped, not those who help themselves. Psalm 121 is a psalm about trusting in God's care. And it's actually a travel psalm. If you've been in the Sunday school class, we're talking about that a little bit. But some of the psalms of ascent and and what those mean and how they were used for a journey to go to Jerusalem. And Psalm 121 is one of 15 songs or psalms of ascent. And do you need help this morning? I mean, and you stop and think, and I'm thinking about myself, do you need help with something somewhere? I, I know we, but do you need it? And if you really do, and if you feel like something is just there and you really need God's aid or just help in general, then this psalm is perfect and it's a great handy little psalm to take along for the journey, if you will. And Psalm 121 teaches us three big truths about God's help and care for you, I believe, this morning. First, notice in verses 1 and 2 that the Creator is your helper. Now, just saying that statement because I've shared this and I've prepared this, but just sharing that first statement. If we notice that the Creator is our helper, it, it should just blow us away. The God who made everything. He's our helper. He's your helper. Look what verse 1 and 2 says. Psalmist says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? From whence, the New American, but from where does my help come from? And he says, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And these scriptures, these two verses teach us several things about God and the help that he provides. You know, think about the hills or the mountains in in Palestine and in the Middle East over there. Where the Israelites, in the land of Israel there, where Jerusalem was, it's surrounded by hills of varying heights and ruggedness and whatever. But it is surrounded by hills. Whatever direction you come, whether it's east, south, north, or west, northwest, whatever, you will go through hills. You have to go over hills to get there. And you can't see Jerusalem in front, behind all those hills. And so as the psalmist is writing, and it's a song, a song that they sang while they were going to Jerusalem for their feasts and festivals, they would be saying this, I'm looking up to the hills. Where does my help come from? And there's, there's an idea here that there's two things going on. It could be that there is a hint of anxiety because in the hills and in the mountains are, well, there are troublemakers there. There, there, are, there, are, there are bandits. There are people there who, they're, they're out to, to do harm. They're, they're up to no good. You, you can imagine. There's all kinds of stuff that went on there. But even though that's in the mind, there's, I think there's something more. It's not just the anxiety that, that, that might be there on some level. Like, okay, I wonder, i got to be careful who's there. I'm looking up and I'm, I'm going there and I'm, okay, what's going to be there? But it's more the anticipation that kind of overrides the anxiety because the anticipation is this, that when I look up to the hills and I see how big they are and I don't know what's in them and what's contained in them and they're not coming down, they're big, they've been there a long time, but i got to go through them and over because that's where I get to Jerusalem. 
and I'll be with God's people and I'm going to meet with God. And that's where God's, at least at that uh, time in history, that's where God's presence is. And we meet all around him there together corporately. And there's an anticipation and an excitement about knowing what's within those hills that you got to go through that, well, stuff happens. I lift up my eyes to the hill. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Mountains are symbols of strength and stability, right? It's something huge. It's mammoth. It doesn't move. It's unchanging. It's an obstacle. That's a negative. There's, there's positive and negative, but it's big. It's large. It's, and it is what it is. It's there, right? You know, I, was, uh, I went to Colorado once. In my life, way back, I was 19, I went to, to Estes Park, Colorado. I went to a, a huge youth thing that they had going on. And I went there, the YMCA camp, and I remember landing in Denver, and you see the mountains in the distance, but then going, and I'd never been to the Rockies. And I'm like, Mount Washington is like down here, compared, I mean, in a sense, compared to the Rocky Mountains. And it's just, it was a reminder, and I thought about that as I was thinking about the mountains, looking in the hills, they're big. And I mean... Yes, in Jerusalem, they're not mountains like the Rockies, but they're, you gotta get over them. They're obstacles. And they can be breathtaking when down low, it's all warm and dry, and up top, you see snow up there. It's like, wow, the contrast. They're, they're great in size. They're long lasting and unchanging. Listen, the creation, the Bible tells us, and many of the Psalms tell us, the creation around us reflects or points us to the Creator, God Himself. And so the God who made the mountains, these big, beautiful, majestic, unchanging things that jut out of the earth and take our breath away and sometimes intimidate us, God is even greater in power and strength and stability than any mountain, negative or positive. I don't care how you look at it. You know, the mountains or the hills are also upward. You've got to look up. You got, you're going up, you're looking up, you see them up. You don't look down at a hill. Well, unless you're up on the mountaintop, I suppose. But when you're going to Jerusalem, you're going up into the hills. You're climbing, you're ascending. You're going up. That's why they're psalms of ascent. Okay. Um, right, listen, we tend to look down when we're in trouble, don't we? Yeah. I mean, when things are really... Um, let me check that word, um, cruddy, when they're really cruddy, we're walking around and you don't walk around, you're like, yeah, things stink, I'm looking up, I'm so excited, things are great, oh, I look to the hill, God, you're my helper, things are so terrible, everything seems insurmountable, it's amazing and you're confident and you're, you're looking up, no, we tend to be kind of like this. Not just physically, but inside our posture is just, our shoulders are hunched down, our face is down, and yet we're supposed to look up. We look up to where our help comes, not down low, we look up. Our focus when we're looking down is on our troubles and all our problems down here, and they just tend to drag us down further. It doesn't mean you ignore them, pretend they're not there. But we don't walk with that and all sullen and down and depressed. We, we have phases. We have seasons. We, we're all there. I have them. You have them. We, we're there. But we look up. But don't look down. That's the wrong direction to look for help. The hills are a reminder that we're to look up. Don't stop there, though. Are you looking high enough is the real question. Are you seeing through the mountain and beyond the mountains and the hills? You need to look beyond the mountains to the God who created them because God is greater and higher than them all. Remember, as they were traveling, 
They were, they were looking, they were, are also looking at Jerusalem. And they have that anticipation, as I mentioned. And having that anticipation for even us as followers of Jesus, we're looking forward to that day where beyond, in the distance, so to speak, we know that's where we're going to be in heaven one day. It's, it's there. It's, we know it, but we don't know it. We know it's there by faith. We've got to go over all this stuff. We keep looking up and beyond and more because we know that that's where we're going to be with God forever. Our journey is going to have stuff on it, but we keep looking up and we keep pressing on. God is bigger than the mountains because God is before the mountains and he made the mountains. We don't look to the mountains for our strength or the people within the mountains or the techniques or the skills that we have on our own while we're in the mountains. But the mountains get our eyes off our problems. They should because we look up and we lift our eyes towards God who can help us when we're really needy. In verse 1, the psalmist asked, Where does my help come from? And in verse 2, My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Where does your help come from? If you're a child of God, I want to remind you that your help comes from the maker of heaven and earth. He didn't just make the mountains. He made everything. Look past all the creation and look to the Creator. And be blown away and reminded again, he's with you. Jeremiah said in chapter 10 and verse 12, the prophet wrote, this is what he wrote. He said, God made the earth by his power. He founded the world by his wisdom and he stretched out the heavens by his understanding. In other words, God has unlimited power, wisdom and understanding. He has all the resources and more to meet your every need. And you know what? He's your helper. Think about that. It's like, you know, a power outage is coming, and you got the biggest, baddest, never stop running generator hooked up to your house. I don't got one of those. I wish I did. We all do, right? But that's what it's like living this life. Because sometimes things get tough, and God doesn't, he's, he's there, he's greater. God is not only the creator, but he's involved in his creation. The scriptures teach us that God is involved in every aspect of his creation. And that includes you and me. He's involved in our lives. He just didn't make us and say, there you go, you're on your own. He's involved in our lives. In fact, the Bible is an account of how God so desperately wants and is involved in creation and in people's lives. And he wants to be involved in your life. He wants to be your helper. God's power over all his creation is his providence. You know, it's his sovereignty coming together with his wisdom. And it's his providence. He's guiding, directing. He's completely in control. And we call that providence in our lives. And we can trust his providence. Where he's going to take us is good. How big is your problem today? Now compare that to the maker of heaven and earth. I did this in first service, and I'm serious. I want you to do this. I want to ask you that again. I want your attention. If you haven't listening, I want your attention. How big is your problem, your issue, your thing, whatever you think it is in your life? And now compare it to the maker of heaven and earth. Now here's what I'm going to do. Close your eyes. Everyone close your eyes. Literally, just five seconds. Close your eyes. Ready? How big is your problem today? Think about that with your eyes closed. Now compare it to the maker of heaven and earth. nothing. I mean, what is it to God? 
I know it's big for us. We're not God. I get that. But it's nothing. God is amazing. He's huge. He's all-powerful. And I think it's safe to say, even after doing that little exercise there, that we can all say, and if, even if you can't say it verbally, I know you can say it in your heart of hearts, man, God's got this. This is God's world, His creation. And God's providence means that nothing can happen to you outside of God's will and His providential care. Scripture does not teach otherwise, and I love that. And it's so it builds my confidence in the midst of all the stuff. Who is the source of your help? May it be the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And if it's not, place your trust in His Son Jesus today, and He will. The second truth is this. Not only is God the creator our helper, But the second truth is that God of Israel is your protector. He doesn't just help you. He goes beyond helping you. He protects you. Look at verses 3 to 6. This is what the Bible says. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. And if you're in my class too, hopefully you're noticing some parallelism there. It's pretty cool, okay? Verse 5. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. We sang that at the end. We sang the psalm. These verses teach us that God is not only the creator of the world, but the protector of Israel. And as a result, he is your protector as well. Now, it's important to know that he is the Lord. And when I say the Lord, look in the scripture in your Bible, probably most translations, it will it'll note this. You will see that Lord is all capital, small caps, but it's all capitalized in your Bible. The Lord. And when you see Lord spelled out in capitals like that, the Hebrew word is Yahweh. And what it means, it's God's covenant name. We reminded ourselves of that in class again. Sorry, I'm talking about Psalms because we're doing that in Sunday school. But it's God's, it's not just God. It is, it, this is who God is. It's a, it's a name. It's a generic. It's God, divinity, a divine being. But it's Yahweh. It's a description. It's a name for this covenantal relationship, relational God with his people Israel. And by extension, because of our faith, with believers today, those who are saved. Amen. The Lord, his covenant name, the one who initiates the covenant. The idea is that if we're in a covenant and God, when he's in a covenant, he doesn't break covenants. He keeps his covenant. And the Psalms, actually other Psalms, reiterate that, that for a thousand generations, or for, maybe I'm extrapolating a little more, but for generations, he keeps his promises and his covenant. And that it endures. And it goes on. He doesn't break his covenant. It is a name that speaks of his relationship. Very involved, by the way, with his people. As a believer, we're in relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Amen? You are part of God's covenant people. You can trust God's faithfulness to you and for you in and through Christ Jesus. When you read the Old Testament and you see and you understand how God watched over Israel and took care of them, you can rest assured that he will do the same for you. Jeremy, what's your favorite pair of sneakers? Give me the brand. Um, Converse? Converse? 
I'm kidding. I'm good. Conversely, I like, no, um, converse. All right. So, so you like converse. Dave likes converse too, right? Someone likes Skechers or whether it's New Balance or Nike or whatever. You know what? They're all garbage in the end. Because, especially the way some of us walk, they, they wear out in like no time, right? And when you think about Israel, I bring that up because I don't care what brand shoe you buy, but there is no shoe that is going to last as long as the shoes that God provided for the Israelites and they were wandering for all those years. They never wore out. You know why? God had a covenant. And even though they were being whining, complaining, they weren't doing what God wanted, they were in trouble, and God let them be there to learn and whatever, and he was patient. But he kept them. He protected them in spite of all the stuff they were going through, in spite of all their terrible decisions, and, and even in their history, even destruction around them, and all the losses they suffered, God still protected them because of his covenant, because he's the Lord. He does that with you. No, you're not going to get a magic pair of New Balance that lasts forever. But he will do that for you in your spirit. You will, you will be kept. You, you are protected because of his covenant with you as his child. And when he keeps his word, he keeps it and provides everything you need. The key word in these verses, in verses 3 to 6, is watches. In Hebrew, it means to watch over, to guard, or to protect. If you are in Christ, then he who watches over Israel watches over your life as well. The God of Israel is your protector. He is your bodyguard. If I could put it that way. And here in verses 3 to 6, the the psalmist tells us some of the various ways that God watches over you. First, First of all, he protects you from accidents. Look at verse 3. It says, he will not let your foot slip. When you build your life on God and His Word, His love, who He is, we sing about that. I will build my life right on your life, and I will not be shaken. It's a firm foundation. We were singing about that. And when you build your life on God, who He is, His character, His Word, you are on solid ground. It's not moving. You're not shaking and shifting. It's not moving. Oh, things happen, but you're not, you're not, you're not falling. You're not. And you have a firm foundation for your feet in your life. There's, there are no accidents for those who put their faith in Christ. Everything that happens in your life takes place under God's providential care. That's what the Bible says. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Secondly, God protects not just from accidents, but He protects you alertly. Now, I don't know. Sometimes I wonder when I go and I, I, I go to the mall or wherever and I see these, okay, these, these security officers. No offense. I, I got to be. Because, I, I mean, honestly, I don't know how alert they are because that Starbucks coffee in their hand is the center of their attention, man. See, God doesn't do that. He doesn't take breaks. He doesn't drink Starbucks. He doesn't chat with his other security guards. He, he's always alert. He's completely aware, cognizant, and knows what's going on with you, in you, around you, everywhere, all over. He's aware. He's alert. He, verse 3 and 4 says, He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Now, there's a difference between slumber and sleep. You can do the homework on that. You can think maybe, but there is a difference. There's a distinction. 
by definition. But the point is, is that God is not distracted and his attention is not taken away from protecting you. It's an emphasis thing there. He's not going to doze off and no, he's not going to be sleeping cold either. Never. God will never do that. You know, maybe this, this, this idea here, it's, it's an example that we can, we can uh, glean because the way it's written and the way the Israelites and God's people are reminded here, we see an example in 1 Kings 18 and there's a contrast between the pagan gods that we meet in Scripture. In other words, made up gods, false gods, because there are no other gods but God, right? But in 1 Kings 18, we read about the prophets of Baal trying to reach their God when they have a battle with Elijah, whose God is the real God, right? Our God. And when Baal didn't respond, Elijah teased them. Shout louder! Surely he's a God. Come on. Perhaps he's deep in thoughts. Or maybe he's busy. Or maybe he's traveling. Maybe he is sleeping and must be awakened. That's what Elijah says. Listen, if Elijah can talk to the enemies of God, the false pretend gods, this way, so can we. There is no other God. That's the point. He's mocking because he's standing on the truth and he's, he's challenging them. Let me prove to you, this is all made up. It's a joke. There's no way. And the implication here is that if your God is sleeping when you need him, then you don't have much of a God, do you? Must not be all powerful and all knowing and all present if he's sleeping. Our God is always awake, amen? I mean, listen, even for some of you who are dozing off here right now, God's still awake. God's awake. He doesn't sleep. He doesn't, he doesn't take a break. He puts up with me talking to you. He puts up with you listening to me. He, he's, he's aware. He's alert. He never falls asleep on his watch. He never dozes and nods off. He never gets distracted. And you can pray to him at any time, and he always focuses on you and will respond to you. He hears you. And because God never slumbers nor sleeps, that means that you can. Because God's awake, you can sleep. I remember Preston, he's sitting over there. And we we were in the West Warwick house. And he was like two, three, and he went to his bed, right? And every night, he'd he'd have his glowworm light-up thing. And he'd have it in his face. And he's laying there, and it's playing the music, and he's dozing off. But he had to have me next to him, rubbing his back until he'd fall asleep. Probably did that for about a year and a half. I'm not embarrassing you. I love my boy. Look at him. Look how amazing and handsome he is. He's incredible. Look at him. It was, you know what, because he knew my presence was there. And even when I walked away, he knew that I'm in the house and I was there for the moment, but I'm not leaving. I'm not absent. I'm aware. I'm alert. If I hear a noise or something, I will be there for him and for his brother and for my wife. I will be there. He's alert. And we can do the same with God. It doesn't matter. We can trustfully fall asleep and rest knowing that our parent, our father, God, is there to watch over us. Protect us. It's the same way with God. Same way with God, right? It doesn't matter what problem, issue, thing, whatever it is you're dealing with. You can leave it in God's hand and go to sleep at night knowing that God never slumbers nor sleeps and He's going to take care of it and He's going to take care of you as well. Amen?
He's going to do it. God protects you from accidents. He does it while he's alert. And thirdly, he protects alongside you. As I said, he's present just as a point. He's present. He doesn't go far away. The Lord watches over you in verse 5. He's alongside you. He keeps you from accidents. He alertly watches you and he protects alongside you or aside you. He's there with you. Verse 5, the Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. Right there, man. We sang about that too. That I will, um, that in that shade, we're protected. I'm going to go to that, to our king. He's our shade. I'm going to hide. It's protection. It's a picture of protection. Why do you seek shade? Protected from the sun. Protected from whatever it is. You want to be protected. And that's what it's talking about here. And it's emphasized. And he says here, not only that, he protects you at all times, right? He accompanies you. In verse 6, the moon will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. And it's the same God who told Jacob, we've heard a lot about Jacob lately, in Genesis 25, he says, I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. Sounds like Jesus, where he left, he says, I'm with you till the end of the age. I'm, not, I'm with you all the time, till all the way to the end. He's alongside you. Sun and the moon won't harm you. You know, the travelers going to Jerusalem, they had many dangers along the way. And sunstroke is a real danger. Some people, I've known people that have had that heat exhaustion. It's serious stuff. You could die, right? So not to mention anything else. Maybe it's rocky roads and they could slip and fall and fall off the edge of a cliff, whatever. There's a lot of dangers. But at night, the same thing. The idea of going at night in the moonlight is that it's dark. You don't see as well. There's dangers there. There's a kind of, the idea in Hebrew, and it's called a, a merism. Not, not to bore you, but it's a merism. And what happened is that you take opposite pairs of words to signify totality. So when we read that the sun will not harm you by day or the moon by night, you know, I don't know exactly what that means. Because, I mean, if I lay there and the moon just shines on me all night, like, I don't know. What does that mean? Like, I shouldn't, am I going to get moonburn? I mean, I don't know. Like, what happens? I don't know, but I mean, it's there. And the idea is not that, maybe there is, but I do know that when there's a full moon or people out in the moon, like, things get weird. That's where we get our, like, the moon, like, lunacy. And, like, when there's a full moon, you can ask police officers. They have more activity on that night than any other night of the month. I am not making that up. I don't know what it is, but there's something to it. But the whole point is, the point is not about what that means. Because the bigger picture is God protects you regardless. Whether you're feeling loony or not, God protects you. <laughs> all right? He's protecting you. He's got you. All right? And of course, the sun, as he says, will not harm you by day or the moon by the night. And, and again, God is present to help you with every problem all the time, right by your side. The God of Israel is your protector. Amen. Amen. That's the second truth. The third truth, and we're almost done, is that the Lord will keep you from all harm. Now, but we just said all that. We've been talking about that for the past 20 minutes. What are you talking about? That's, you're getting repetitious. No, verse 7 and 8, there's a, there's a line there. There's a, there's a distinction and a separation. In verse 7 and 8, it says, The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. Now, the Hebrews... And Jewish people, and a lot of still do it today, by their doorpost, they hang a lot of scriptures. And this is one of them that they hang up. You know why? Because it's a promise from God that you're coming and going, you come and go, God's with you forevermore. No matter where you go, no matter what you do, like verse 7 and 8 says, 
It says here that he will watch over your coming and going both now and forever. Can Listen, I'm just curious. I thought about this as I was going over this week. Man, if I have that by my door, and every time, I, if I actually not just had it, but I read it every time I walked out, it would change it would change something in my, my, my perspective, my perception, and just my attitude. If I realize, and it's a transitional thing, every time you come and go, and the Jews do that, they say, listen, it's a promise of God. I'm with you, no harm is going to befall you. I'm with you in your coming and your going. I will be with you for, from now and forevermore. So right now as I'm walking out, you're with me. When I walk out, you're still with me. And later on, when I'm down the road, you're still with me, and I'm on my way home. And I'm not even coming home yet, but you're with me already. It's an amazing thing to hide in our hearts and to hang on to. And so God, in verses 1 to 6, they were all present tense, describing what God does for you. And now in verse 7 and 8, we're given promises for the future, telling us what God will do for us. And we have these specific examples, and the general principle is, is that the Lord will keep you from all harm now and into the future. He's not going to stop keeping you. First, God watches over every aspect of your life. Look, your finances, your thoughts, your intimacy, your relationships, everything. He watches all of that and he's aware of that. And, and, in, and in that process, in your workplace, in your dealings with people, in, your, in taking care of the yard, using heavy machinery, whatever it is you're doing. Verse 7 says, The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. It's totality. Your life. Every part of it, every bit of it, he's watching it. The word harm is a word that can mean harm or evil. And Jesus taught us to pray something similar in the Lord's Prayer. Do you remember? At the end of the Lord's Prayer, he said, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Man, what a... Why is he telling us to pray that? Because God wants to do that and he's covenantal, he's in that relationship, he will do it. And we remind ourselves that he is doing it and we ask him, we stay in that and we're under that, we're under, the, under his shade. Psalm 90 tells us the pinions, his wings, when we dwell in the shadow of the Almighty God, we're underneath the shade of his wings. Nothing can touch you. Nothing, nothing can touch you and harm you. One of my daily prayers that I pray for my family is protection. As parents, I think a lot of us do that. Why do we do that? Because we have a promise, and we know that that promise God will keep, and God wants to answer that. And it's almost like, pardon the expression, but we keep God accountable. If I don't know how else to say it. We remind him, and then he does. we know he's going to do it, but it's like keeping him accountable. That's who you are. You're supposed to do that, so protect me. Thank you. Not that he needs it, but I don't know how else to express it. God is directly involved in your life and He's for you. He's not against you. He's not. You know, you got this guy Job in the Old Testament. He went through all this stuff. He had a great life, didn't he? And then it got really great. It got bad. And he has this... God finally had it with him. And God spoke to him for a few chapters up until chapter 42. And God goes on and on and says, Who do you think you are? Do you know everything? Did you make this? Did you do that? Do you cause this? Are you aware that this happens? Are you alert all the time? How come you get tired? I don't. On and on and on. He goes on and on and on for chapters. And then in chapter 42 of Job, this is Job's own words. He says, I know that you can do all things. 
No, this is one of my favorite phrases. When I was in Bible school, it's just one of my favorite. But no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Listen, there is nothing. So God has this plan. He's going. This is his plan. There's nothing that will get in the way that all of a sudden God deviates. And oh no, it's a little different. Oh no, it's changed. Well, let me, let me back that up a little bit. No. No purpose of God's can be thwarted ever. And it's consistent with Scripture, what Job says. Because in Scripture, there's some things in Job. Some of his friends had some inconsistency with the rest of Scripture and Revelation. But they were trying to be helpful. But Job says this is the truth. And the Scripture teaches us that we will have problems and troubles in our life. But evil will never win out. There's nothing that can thwart God's purpose for your life. Nothing can separate you from God's love. Can I remind you of Romans chapter 8? God is for you. So no evil, no permanent harm can befall you as a believer in Jesus Christ. Having said all that, let me take a little aside before we we finish up. If you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, why wouldn't you want that protection? I don't want to say all it takes because it's a big deal. But what it takes is your surrender to him as Lord and Savior to, to understand that he's the only one that can wash your sins away and that you've got to do things his way and that's how you are under his shade. If you haven't done that, think about that. Because if you haven't done that, I, the Bible tells us you're not protected from harm and evil. It's usually in the transitions of life, right? That trip us up. Once we're safe in our routines, things usually go pretty smoothly. But it's in the, the in-between times, right? The commute, the move, the change of jobs, the change of health, the change of relationships, the change in finances, the change in you fill in whatever it is. It's the in-between times that we usually struggle. David prayed to the Lord in Psalm 139. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out, my lying down. You are familiar with all of my ways. This is another example in the Psalm 121 here of the Hebrew language using a pair of opposites to express totality. Your comings and your goings. God is always there. Whether you come, go, in between, everywhere you are, God is with you. And so it's not just the transitions in life. God watches over all the in-betweens as well. Whether at home, school, work, or away, you're safe because God is with you. You know, we have an awesome promise at verse 8, the last verse in our text. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. God is watching over you now, and he will continue to watch over you forever. Both of those promises are encouraging. If you had to choose one or the other, which would you choose, now or forever? You don't have to answer it. No, I'm just, just throwing it out there. It's a tough choice if you had to choose, right? But I want to thank God that we don't have to choose. We don't have to choose. Because both are true for the believer in Christ. It's now and forever. Jesus said in Matthew, as I said, surely I'm with you to the end of the age. And Hebrews 13.8 says something absolutely that should bolster our confidence today. The writer says in Hebrews 13.8, you all know this, right? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, 
and forever. And so God's promise to watch over you in Christ is true today. It's true tomorrow. It's true forever. The Creator is your helper. The God of Israel is your protector. And the Lord will keep you from all harm. We're all on a journey with God to be with God one day. Amen? Going through this life. And Psalm 121 is this wonderful song for the journey. And the maker of heaven and earth watches over every aspect of your life. He protects you from all harm. There are no accidents for those who belong to God. That means that you don't need to worry or be afraid of anything. I, I, I mean, I do worry. I get afraid. I, let's be real. But in, in the big picture, we don't. Nothing can happen to you without God's knowledge. No harm can come to you under His protective care. And even the worst things that happen to you, illness, loss, or even death, these things take place under God's providential care. God is for you. He's not against you. He is committed to your good, and you can trust Him with all things all the time. So take comfort in this. Learn to trust God. Look for the good and all the details in life because He's got a plan. Nothing can thwart that for your life. He'll provide for you. He's here to help you. And so I finish with the first two verses all over again. I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Amen? God's awesome. Let's bow our heads. Lord, we thank you for this psalm. We thank you for this reminder and encouragement that you are for us, that there is nothing that can befall us or touch us without your permission. You're our protector, you're our helper, and that you will keep us from all harm into the future, not just now. Lord, so as we leave this morning, I pray for those who have not received you as Lord and Savior through your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for our sins, the only one who could die for our sins and rose again. I pray you grant faith for that that salvation, that, that newness of attitude, mind, and heart to take place, Lord. I pray for regeneration, God. And I pray, Lord, that uh, there would be a, a humble, repentant submission to your Lordship to do things your way that we might find your shade. Lord, come into their lives for those who have not received you. And for those of us who have, God, I pray we be reminded and encouraged and that our confidence is bolstered, not to the point of cockiness, but that we have such assuredness, God, that we walk with our heads lifted high and looking up to you, the maker of the heavens and the earth, that we would see past the obstacles, the mountains, the dangers, the things that are there, even if they're beautiful things, that they wouldn't distract us, Lord God, like the actual mountains. But help us, Lord, to see you and to glorify you and know that your plan will happen and come to fruition. We love you, Lord. We give you this day. Be glorified. And thank you for your faithfulness to us. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.